This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And today's show is a little different. It's a little unique. We're going to have head coach Kelly Graves of the women's basketball program on. Uh, Kelly is going to speak with Eric just about everything of the season of looking back, looking forward, where the team was at going into the NCAA tournament, uh, a wide ranging of topics. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a really long and really informative interview. Uh, runs about 35 minutes. So uh, if you're a duck fan out there and you're, you're looking for some fix, we've got a one-on-one interview with head coach Kelly Graves coming up. But um, first and, and foremost, Eric, uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about where this team was and, and now where this team is going post the big four and, and Kelly Graves and, and you will talk a little bit about this and, you know, but I, I think that's probably what I'm most interested in, in hearing from Kelly of just where the program is at going, going forward now that the big four have had to move on. Yeah, it's sad to to say goodbye to players like Sabrina Nescu, Ruthie Hebert, Satu Sabali, and Mignon Moore, um, players that will always be remembered. And that's something that I'm sure will come up in the podcast. We'll, we'll spend some time talking about that. But I, I think the thing I'm most excited and curious to hear are just kind of his thoughts about we can now transition basically from 2019-20 to 2020-21. And that season is, I think, extremely promising, extremely exciting in terms of you've got a, seven players potentially that could be first time playing for Oregon, two of those being Sedona Prince and Nayara Sabali, and then the five incoming players that could all be huge contributors. So these are five, seven players that we really don't know a ton about. I'm excited to kind of hear what coach says about those players and what maybe we can expect from, from those players as well as what can we expect from uh, players we do know in bigger roles, different roles, Aaron Boley, Taylor Chavez, Jazz Shelley, players that were, pretty key components of this last year's team that are going to go from being, uh, you know, kind of secondary players, you know, secondary scoring options on the team on, on the court to being maybe the team's kind of focal points offensively. So I'm just curious to see what he has to say about that, along with a, a bunch of other things. I mean, he, he's always so upfront and, and open about kind of answering questions. So uh, it should be a really fun conversation. All right, if you're a, a Duck Territory subscriber, we want to thank you for that. Thank you for that support, especially during this time. If All right, and if you are a DuckTerritory.com subscriber, consider doing it. You can do it for as low as $1 for your first month. Yes, $1. And after that, it turns into a $9.95 per month membership. And you get inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. You get to read all the content across the 24-7 sports network. So, by subscribing to DuckTerritory.com, you're not just limited to Oregon news. You you can get everything. You can get our opinion on, on Oregon stuff or a recruit that Oregon's looking at and then go and, and read everything that the USC site is saying about that same recruit and what they're hearing. And then what USC and what Washington and what Arizona State are, are hearing 
on that recruit. So you get access to all 24-7 sports websites, uh, team sites. You get access to our insiders on the site, and like myself, Kevin Wade, Eric. Uh, you also get Greg Biggins, Brandon Huffman, Steve Wiltfong from a national perspective, and the list goes on and on. And, oh, by the way, on top of that, you also get, once you're paying your your regular monthly price or your regular yearly bill, uh, which is a 7518, you get CBS All Access for free. That's 10,000 shows, movies, all on demand, all commercial free, uh, original programming that's on CBS All Access only, like Star Trek's Picard, which is a hot new TV show, Star Trek's... Uh, They've got another Star Trek show on there as well. Uh, they've got a ton of other stuff that's new and exclusive just to CBS All Access. And then they've got all the other CBS programming. So I, I think that's, you know, the Big Bang Theory. You, you've got the CSI shows. You, you've got a ton of stuff on CBS All Access. So basically, you want something to stream, sign up for DuckTerritory.com and you get that for free. It's a $99 value. All right, we now welcome into the program Oregon women's basketball head coach Kelly Graves. Coach, thanks so much for giving us some of your time. Hey, no problem. We have a lot of it these days, don't we? So, no, <laughs> yeah, we have, no problem. Good to be with you. Yeah, we have like almost a surplus of time on our hands these days. And we were talking pr- prior to this about we're trying to maintain our sanity, get out and, and do our steps and our walks and hikes. And I think that's the kind of stuff we have to do. And maybe hopefully for those listening, uh, a conversation here with Coach Graves will uh, will be something also positive in your day, which uh, is, is never a bad thing. So let's start. I wanted to start looking back, and you've now had a couple of weeks, I think, since the decision to, to cancel the tournament uh, was decided upon by the NCAA. Um, I'm wondering how you're going to remember this team, if you've had time now with a little bit of separation to kind of think back. And obviously a ton of accomplishment, a, a lot of things uh, th- that you guys were able to do this season, but I'm, I'm wondering about like what traits or maybe things that the fans maybe won't have the same experience with that you've had that you remember this group from. Like, what are those indelible things that you'll look back five, ten years from now and go, "Man, that team was about X, Y, or Z." Well, I think this is a team that will be remembered long after five or ten years. I think sure. this is it will be a team that uh, that will be remembered forever. Um, you know, they left a legacy that, uh, I think is unmatched and will remain. So I just don't see another team being able to, to capture, um, not just the university of Oregon community or, or Eugene or Oregon fans, but I think capture the nation. Uh, it was just a special, special group made up of some, you know, elite individual players and collectively, they put together, you know, uh, an amazing season. Uh, unfortunately, a season that will, um, you know, will forever have an asterisk. But, you know, just the way we filled this, you know, the arena night in and night out, and not just with with people in the seats, but engaged fans uh, who were really into this group. And we might have as successful a teams later on. Um, that, that might even accomplish national championships. But I think this will be the team, and especially now since their, their business remained unfinished, mm-hmm. that people will forever remember. And, uh, and those iconic players like Ruthie Hebert and Sabrina and, and Satu that, that were with us for you know, at least three years, you know, that, that 
<laughs> you just you, you're fortunate to have one of those players in a in a career or a lifetime to to be able to watch and enjoy. And we had three at the same time, so yeah, I I feel so badly for for each one of them, especially our seniors that won't get a chance. Um, but it it they've set now a um, a standard that, uh, you know, that all our other teams at the University of Oregon, and I'm not just talking about women's basketball, I'm talking about all other sports uh, that they can strive for. I'm kind of wondering how you're going to use maybe this group as an example for future teams. I know sometimes that's a way to kind of motivate and, and push towards the, is that a thing, a tactic you think you'll use that you'll, you'll and maybe a future years will point to the way this team kind of got down to business, competed um, certain aspects of, of the way that they got to this point. Is that a thing you think you'll do or, or is that not a tactic that you really employ very often? Uh, no, no, I think we'll all use this group for, uh, you know, for a long time uh, to talk about their professionalism, uh, their work ethic, the team chemistry and camaraderie, um, the family culture. Uh, you know, they, they really epitomize everything that, that was good about, uh, you know, team building and sports in, in general. Um, and also, you know, it's something that I, I, I do talk about a lot, especially when there's injuries. And now, you know, that the season was shut down. I always tell our team to make sure you enjoy every moment uh, that you're together because you just never know when it's going to be taken away. And, uh, and I usually use that, use that when, when you're talking about injuries, but who would have thought I have now this to use and always refer to for the rest of, you know, my career, you just don't know when, when it's going to be taken from you. So you've got to, to cherish each and every moment that you have together and that you're playing this sport. I'll just ask one question on the hypothetical concept of an NCAA tournament, and I'll leave it there. But have you considered at all, like with the matchups with a Baylor or with the South Carolina would have been like, and is that something where, I mean, I know obviously not having a chance to win a national championship is is t- awful, and I think everybody is very understanding of that. But is that one of those things where you just you wish you could have had a chance to compete with them to kind of prove yourself, or or, or what, what's your stance on, on kind of that sort of thing? Oh well, no no question. I mean, we're we're competitors. We wanted a chance to to, to prove that we were the best team. I think going into the tournament, we were uh, the favorites on the computer models. We were favorites in the B- BPI. Uh, analytically, we were uh, we were the favorite that we were the best team according to all the analytics, and uh, and Vegas had us as favorites. So we truly were the team to beat. I know some folks in South Carolina <laughs> yep. have kind of got on and talked about you know, including their coach about uh, you know um, that they deserved it and they don't get enough attention and. But the reality was they were ranked number one, mm-hmm. but that's different than actually going out and doing it then in a tournament. And, and, uh, so yeah, we, we felt like we had everything in place to, uh, you know, to, to win a national championship. But, you know, the reality, if you, you sit there and talk about what would have happened, I think is a disrespectful and it does a disservice to all the other teams in the field. Uh, we were guaranteed one game, Eric, that's it. One game. So is everybody else. And, uh, you know, beyond that, who knows? But uh, so, no, I don't really think about that at this point. It actually would depress me even more. So, 
yeah. uh, we'll just kind of leave it uh, the way it is. And, and it's unfortunate and there, there will forever be an asterisk there and we'll forever ask ourselves, gosh, what if, uh, but I, I think you just have to move on. Yeah. And I, I assume you're in the same camp with me where it doesn't seem like it makes any sense to name a national champion because there really wasn't a way to go out and prove it one way or the other. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't seem, yeah, I think, I doubt there are people out. I mean, maybe some folks are out there, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me well, to crown somebody. I, I know they, yeah, and I know some of these these groups. Like I think ESPN actually did some kind of a computer simulation and moved on in the tournament, and uh, and I think they had us actually bowing out to Baylor. Uh, to Baylor. Yeah. Yeah, but but I talked to the people who did that, and they said, well, the computer because we actually were uh, favored over them, but I think they do it like a hundred times. You play, you might win ninety. But if, if it came up this time on, on their simulation that we lost it, well, then that's what they have to put. But the reality is we would have been the favorite there. They even told me, and they gave me the, the numbers, uh, uh, advantage that we had. But, you know, according to their simulation, at least on that occasion, we lost. <laughs> so, you know, who <laughs> yeah. knows? It, it's, it's crazy to do that. It doesn't mean anything. So why dwell on it? What's your stance on jersey retirements? And I wonder, I mean, if there's, we've posed this question on social media the last couple of days, but if there's ever a player who deserves to have, or players in this case, that have to deserve their jerseys to be retired and not reused, it would be Sabrina and Ruthie, maybe Satu. Do you have a stance on that? Are there other ways you would prefer to commemorate them? Or kind of where do you land with jersey retirements? Uh, yeah, I'm a believer in it. I will say this though, with one caveat, I, I don't think you should not ever wear the number again. I, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think you should put their uh, their jersey or whatever with their number up in the rafter somewhere or wherever you want to do it. But if there's another twenty that comes along, well, okay, that's fine. You know, Bev Smith. Bev Smith technically had her number retired once upon a time, and it right. was number twenty-four. Well, along came Ruthie. She wanted to be number twenty-four. Nobody actually knew that the number was retired. So <laughs> I, think it's, I think that's okay. So basically you're honoring them, but you're not putting the number to bed, so to speak. I think, yeah, those two uh, definitely deserve it. I wouldn't put Satu in that group right now just simply because she was here three years. Right. Um, and uh, has yet to graduate from, from Oregon. But, uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to her uh, sometime too. You know, those, those are iconic players uh, among the best ever at the University of Oregon, regardless of sport. And uh, yeah, so if that happens someday, and I, and I hope it does, I know Oregon doesn't actually do that very often. Mm-mm, yeah. You know, because there's some pretty iconic players in other sports that don't have theirs done yet. So, and I think you give it a little bit of time. I don't think it needs to be done like right away. Do you, do you think, because I think in the men's and in the women's game, that Michael Jordan's number 23 is kind of most first in the kids in the playground when they're picking jersey numbers that they could, they'd pick 23. Do you think Sabrina's 20 is going to be something on the women's side or maybe on the men's side too, where that becomes the jersey where everybody kind of wants to be number 20? I'm not sure if it's going to be at Oregon because it's a probably big shoes to fill, but do you think that'll be a thing where in the youth leagues, 20 becomes kind of that number to have? Oh, sure. I, I think it's already happening. Look at the Jersey sales. Right. Uh, as I talk to recruits of all ages, um, you know, I always ask them, well, who's your favorite player? 
Sabrina and Sabrina. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's, uh, there's something to that. Now we'll see, you know, her college days are over and, and out of sight, out of mind. She's now, you know, if she wants to, to hold that, that place, I think now she, she's got to do that at the next level or the international level, whatever the case may be. So it remains to be seen uh, if, if that's sustainable. But for right now, I think she's clearly the most popular basketball player in the country, male or female, in the, uh, in the amateur ranks. Just came out today that the WNBA draft will go on as planned on April 17th. Obviously, that's great news in terms of keeping something positive here, providing your players and numerous players in the country the opportunity to to learn their professional futures sooner rather than later. I wonder, what are you going to make from that day? What are you you hoping to take away from that day? And and what kind of conversation and communication are you expecting to have with four players? I think Mignon probably will be drafted or have a decent chance to be drafted as well. Uh, what's that day going to be like for for both of, both for them, but also for you? Well, I think it's still going to be special for for all of us, and especially them because they're the ones actually getting drafted. But uh, maybe it loses a little bit of luster because they weren't going to be flown into New York and spend a yeah. couple, you know spend a couple of days, and you get to do it live on TV. That would have been really cool for all of us, and I could have been I could have moved from table to table like Calipari always does. <laughs> Yeah. on the men's side, but you know, you, see, you hear your name called and, uh, and you watch it live, you know, however they're going to stream this thing. And I think that's going to be pretty cool, pretty special and validation to all of them. And I agree. I think Mignon, uh, I've talked to a couple of GMs who do have her on their board. You know, she's not going to be a, a first round pick or maybe even a second round pick, but, uh, and even if she doesn't get drafted, she's going to be invited to camps. She's going to have a chance to make a team. So, um, but there's no question; those other t- uh, three will be will go pretty early. It, maybe this is asking you to pick between your favorite kids, but do you have an idea of like who might have the highest pro upside? Is it as simple as Sabrina's? You know, maybe the best player of the group now, and that she probably has the best future, or is it even something that's hard to to kind of gauge that sort of thing, projecting that far ahead? Well, I think it's hard to gauge. Um, but from what I've been told by a lot of the, the W and we've had every WNBA team, either coach, general manager in to watch our practices or games this year. So I've had a chance to talk to pretty much all of them. Um, you know, I think everybody feels like Satu has a lot of growth potential. You know, you just look at, she's rel- still relatively new in the game, uh, but at six, four and with her skill set and, athleticism i just think they they see a really high ceiling but listen sabrina you you can't measure the intangibles that she brings and and how hard she competes and 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 also she's giving you more than just the stats she's going to change a culture wherever she goes and uh and set a a a different bar for winning and those kind of things so yeah i think it, it remains to be seen but I think they all have potential. And Ruthie, I think her potential's off the off the charts. I, I hear people say, "Oh well, you know, she she doesn't shoot that well." You know what? She does. She can shoot the ball uh, uh, with range and from the perimeter. The thing is, she's smart enough to know that her taking a seventeen footer 
doesn't help us as much as one of our snipers taking a three or her making a layup ultimately. So she's capable. I think she's got a, a really high ceiling as well. I know one player in particular, Courtney Vandersloot, who's first team all WNBA that is lobbying her coach and general manager to, uh, to, to pick her. Mm. She wants somebody like her, pick and in, her roll. in the pick and roll. Yeah. And she understands it better than any player coming out of college has in years, if, if maybe ever. So if you have somebody like Courtney pulling for you, that's uh, and it's pretty high praise because I know Courtney watches most of our games. I was going to ask you about Ruthie's range a little bit and obviously would have asked you more, I guess, shortly after the Stanford uh, Conference Championship game because I think she did hit a couple of shots that were – maybe it wasn't the Stanford, maybe it was just in that Pac-12 tournament that were 10 to 15 feet out. Is that a range you see in practice? Because we didn't really see a lot of that in her career up until I think maybe the last couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, she's got it. You know, we lead the nation uh, by a long way, by the way, in true shooting percentage at 58.3 this year. That's incredible. That's like off the charts. That's historically good. Well, our kids understand shot selection. They understand who should be shooting um, and when. And if she can get and make 68.5% of her shots, well, okay, she's going to take those shots that will help that and, and leave the longer range stuff to, to other players. So, you know, she has a great understanding of the game and is very unselfish. But, yeah, she, she can shoot it. And in practice, we have her doing uh, several of the guards shooting drills, and she stats out quite well. So, you know, there's a difference between doing it in practice and obviously doing it in a game when you're only maybe going to be able to shoot that shot two or three times right. in a game. However, I'm confident that she'll continue to work at it and, uh, and then have the opportunity, because she's going to need to in the pros, uh, to take and make those shots. So I don't worry about her. I think she's going to be fine. Are, are you still – let's move kind of looking ahead to 2020-21. Not that we want to put the entirety of those careers behind us, but for this conversation, maybe that makes the most sense. I'm, I'm curious, do you feel like the roster's – you're pretty comfortable with the roster that is set right now with all the players returning with the five player prep recruiting class. That's kind of what the roster is going to look like. Are you still kind of actively seeking out players and kind of trying to find ways to maybe add a piece or two to your team for, for the next season? Oh, we're always looking um, <laughs> uh, to add. I mean, no, you have to, you know, you want to make your team as, as good as possible and look at Mignon more. I mean, yeah. nobody really saw that coming. Um and we picked her up in, uh, you know, late May, early June. And that was done ra- relatively quickly. So, yeah, I, I, I have, uh, I'm confident that we'll probably pick up a grad transfer so we can step in and immediately. But I, I'm really comfortable with the team we have if that doesn't happen. We'll just be young and untested. But, you know, look at South Carolina. They were young and, yep. and started three freshmen and had a heck of a year. So we have those same kind of impact freshmen. Uh, and, and a good group of, uh, of returners. I mean, if you just put a, a roster out there of our returners, you're talking about Sedona Prince, you know, start at the five spot. Even though she's technically not a returning player, she's a returning duck and has been through you know, all our practice and is comfortable with what we do. Um, she's a load, and she is really good. Uh, you're talking about a potential number one overall pick. You're talking about a potential player of the year in the Pac-12 uh, and just a huge impact. Uh, 
Then you go to the four, you know, you've got Aaron Bowley returning. And I think she showed late in the season that she's more than just a spot up shooter. Again, she does that. People, people don't understand. I think sometimes we fit this thing together. We have a style. Aaron Bowley was not asked to make plays. She was asked to be the, you know, that, that player that could boom, set, get set, space the defense and knock down threes. She's capable of dribbling and coming off ball screens and making plays for others. But we had others that were able to do that, and she wasn't asked to do that. So now she will be, but she is a, a former national Gatorade player of the year. She's been a two-year starter for us, and, and her, her record combined is 64-7 and seven as a starter. Well, we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> she, she's pretty good. So you have her at the four. You have Lydia Giomi. Um, you know, inside you have Lucy Cochran. Uh, they didn't have to play a lot, but Lydia came in and had a, a really good year for us. She did well. Uh, and then you throw out N- Niara Sabali, or Sabali, excuse me. I always uh, put the emphasis on the wrong. Uh, but she's good. And, you know, we, we actually were set to, to have her play in the NCAA tournament. Wow. Um, yeah, she's, she's ready. She's big. She's strong, uh, multifaceted, multi-skilled. So just in a returners on the four and five spot, you're looking at some really good players right there. Um, and then you look at the guard line, maybe not quite as deep because you have three positions to fill, but jazz Shelley had a heck of a year. If Mignon Moore does not transfer, she gets uh, the bulk of those minutes and, uh, we'd have been just fine. I mean, she's a terrific, terrific player. And, uh, and then Taylor Chavez, Chavez, of course, sixth player of the year, put her in that starting role. She's going to do just fine and uh, is going to be able to produce. Uh, you've got Holly Winterburn uh, back as well. And, and she just, that poor kid is a good player. She's just playing behind two pros. She either <laughs> subbed for Satu or subbed for uh, Sabrina. There's not a whole lot of time for a true freshman to to be able to play like that, but she is a really good player. And then uh, Morgan Yeager. So those are the those are the, the the returners that we have. Not to mention then that 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 great class coming in. And and if just two or three of those freshmen, and I think they all five have the opportunity, the ability, and the capability uh, to help. But if just two or three of them actually produce as freshmen um we're way ahead just look at the depth that we would have so um no i think we're in a in a great position and uh we'll just be kind of untested but we run the kind of system and and give our players confidence and uh you know to where they're going to be able to produce you know are they going to be sabrina right now no ruthie no satu no but they weren't that good as they are now when they were freshmen and sophomores either, but they were still good enough to have gotten us to that elite eight as freshmen. So yeah, I, we're, we're going to be fine. I think we're in a great place right now. We're talking with Oregon women's basketball head coach, Kelly Graves on the Ots and Audibles podcast. You kind of ran through my next couple questions there, Coach, but I, I guess I'm, I, my question and what I'm wondering is, is you have players, and obviously we talked about the big three that you guys had, and big four really, we should include Mignon in that, but you had those four players outgoing, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but a player like Taylor, sixth player of the year in the conference, 
you mentioned maybe she slides into the starting role. Obviously, she'll have competition with that recruiting class and some of the other players on the roster. But I, I'm wondering what kind of a player can she be if she goes from being kind of a supplementary player where she's probably the fourth or fifth scoring option. She's maybe spotting up in the corner and shooting threes as opposed to maybe she's asked to be a kind of dom- ball dominant guard. Is that something she's capable of doing? Is that something you think you see in her or kind of how what kind of progression could she have from her sophomore to junior season? Well, that remains to be seen. I'm confident that she'll be able to, to, to fill that. Uh, but what she gives us is great intangibles. And let's face it, in, in our close games, she finished the ball games. She was on the court at the end uh, because she can defend. She takes care of the basketball. She can really shoot it. Um, but, yeah, she hasn't had to shoulder the, the load, so to speak. And I think the beauty of how we play and what we do, I don't think anybody has to shoulder all of that. You know, we started Taylor three games, and I think she averaged darn near 15 points a game, including one 25-point performance when Satu was gone early. Uh, we started Jazz Shelley one game, and she went off and made 10 threes in that game. So I think you give them a chance to to, to play and to play with other really good players. They're going to step up. I mean, they're they're legit big-time players, you know, and uh, it happens all the time. You, you just don't know who's going to step up and shoulder that you know, that load when asked. Um, but I'm confident that, that, that they can, both Taylor and Jazz. And more importantly, they both really defend. They both play with confidence. And they pl- both play the way and do the things that we ask them to do. So, yeah, I, I, I'm confident that they're going to get the job done. No question. How has the COVID-19 impacted recruiting and maybe roster building for 2020 and 21 and maybe even past that for your next 2021 recruiting cycle? Is that something that you've seen that obviously it's impacted the way you can recruit right now? But do you feel like that's going to play a big role in terms of what you're able to get done or kind of how are you approaching that? Well, I think it can. I think we're fortunate enough to to have been in a position where we signed five players early. Sure. Uh, we actually have some commitments in the 2021 class that I can't talk about, Uh-oh. but, uh, no, but I can't mention <laughs> specifics. You can right. do that on your own time. But, um, you know, so we were ahead of the game in terms of, you know, there are some teams in our conference that did not sign a single player in the 20 class, you know, and they lose good players. So, um, you know, they're up against it because, you know, there's that recruiting moratorium through April 15th, a so-called dead period. So you can't have anybody in on campus. You can't go visit anybody. They can still make a decision. They can't sign anything, but they can make a decision, but they're doing so without seeing your campus and without you meeting them. So I, I feel for those programs. Um, so we're, we're, you know, in a good, good position in that regard. Uh, the 21s, you can't, you know, we would have had a few in on official visits this spring. That's now up in the air and moved back. Uh, but they can't visit anywhere else either. So it's not like, you know, we're falling behind in that regard. Um, so I think we're in a pretty good spot. And unfortunately, you know, I've been less motivated, let's say, to to make calls and you know, and obviously I can't go out in person and visit with these people, which is, I think, one of our strengths. So that part is, you know, uh, too, it's too bad. But no, I think we're in a good good place. And, and this will all be reset at some point. And, and it'll be maybe a mad dash to, to 
get players in on official visits. That would have normally come in the spring. I know a lot of kids wanted to make their decisions before the July recruiting period. You know, like most of ours did last year. I think we had them all committed, all five, before the July recruiting period. And so it allowed us to go really watch young kids and pay attention to them more. Um, You know, now we may have to watch more of the 21s during the summer than we would have normally done. So I I don't know. I I think that April 15th schedule might be, uh, I think, expanded. I, I think they are extended. Yeah, certainly some uncertainty with some of that stuff, um, without question. And just a couple more questions looking at 2020, 21. I feel like Sedona was a player that everyone was hoping and excited to see. Obviously that didn't come to fruition, unfortunately. What, what can, or I, I feel like she's, I think the tallest player the University of Oregon has ever had, or at least tie Stephanie Kaspersky for that. Um, what, what kind of a player can she be? I know you've mentioned how talented she is. Can, does she have range to the three point line? What kind of a player is she yeah. around the, the block? I mean, kind of what, talk about what she can be. Oh, you guys, she's, we're, we, our fans will have never seen anybody like her with her skill set. You should talk to Ruthie uh, because every day in practice for the last two months, she, um, you know, <laughs> just banged on poor Ruthie and Ruthie on her and they made each other better. I, I'm, I'm, there's a reason I think that, that uh, Ruthie played her best basketball uh, late and it's because she had a chance to go against Sedona each and every day in practice and it made her better. She, she had to get better. And, and there were some days when Sedona kicked Ruthie's butt and some days when Ruthie kicked her butt. So I think what you're going to see with Sedona is number one, she's going to be six, seven, the, the entire game, all game long. So, you know, which is, is unique, but she can finish really well around the rim, both, both uh, hands, very skilled, very polished, um, she can step out and, and hit the mid range shots, you know, around the elbow and things like that. But yeah, she had, she does have three point range is comfortable shooting there and can shoot it. So she, you're going to have to guard her at every level. Uh, I like her. She's got an awesome feel for the game. She really understands how to play. She understands angles, positioning. She's really strong. And did I mention she'll be six, seven, the whole game. <laughs> so, you know, um, and, and what I love about her, she's a really good passer. So in our offense, she's going to be able to set great screens, roll, get deep position. We'll probably change some of the things we do, uh, with her now in the, in the offense. Um, but at the same time, she's a great passer. So we can, we can get her into that high post area, pass her the ball and then get cutters off there and she's going to find them. So she's a terrific player. There's no question about it. She's got a chance to be real special. And like I said, I think a future number one pick, um, you know, depending on how many years she decides to stay. I've heard rumors that she might be able to dunk. Yeah, she can dunk. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, um, this thing may have ended up being a blessing. You know, we, uh, in, in some ways, because, you know, we she wasn't fully healthy, you know, until uh, a month or two ago. Hmm. And so, you know, we, we were hoping that she would get her eligibility so that we could use her in the, in the NCA. We, we just thought she'd be great for March and April. Well, with no March or April now, she's, you know, and I saw her text the other day. It's like, okay, now she feels like 
this is her team. This is, she's now part of the group because we're preparing now for 2021 season. So mentally, I think she's turning the page and, uh, you know, and I've asked her already to be, she's got to be a more consistent performer. She's got to be a leader. She's got a great personality and, and the kind that can be a leader. So I'm excited, excited to see what she can do. You mentioned this. We'll, we'll wrap it up here. But you mentioned earlier. No, no worries. A I'm just out ago. walking, man. This is beautiful. There's not <laughs> right. a lot of time down here in Palm Desert. And what else? Yeah. What else do we have to do? Right. Incredible. <laughs> I just uh, hope when I change directions and walk the other way that you don't hear the wind. I don't know if there's any kind of you know, feedback issues. It sounds great so far, Coach. No, okay. I, I, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you though, just because you did mention that you might do some things a little differently. Uh, offense. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to give it all away or anything, but do you think, especially no, no, defense, no, okay. do you think, especially defensively, well, I guess I'll ask them, do you, do you think you guys will be as reliant on the pick and roll now and, and kind of what players fit into those roles? And then I guess defensively, I know Mignon was a big part of the ability to, to extend pressure and, and maybe uh, be a little bit more aggressive on the defensive side. Are there players on the, are incoming players or players currently on the roster that you think will allow you to kind of maintain that or, or amp that up or kind of, how do you expect that type of thing to fall? to come together you know i don't know i think you, you wait until um you know these players get on campus and you're practicing you know typically we take summers off because we have so many players on national teams etc cetera, etc cetera. well now that's all in flux you know who knows and so i think we're encouraging if our university opens up for all our players to come back for the uh, second summer session and be here for two summer sessions gives us a chance to really work with them and see what they can do and how they fit. But just looking from the outside, we don't have Sabrina back. You know, we don't have, you know, Taylor, I think can play in pick and roll, but you know, she hasn't shown that as well as, as Sabrina, some of our other guards. And now our strength might be inside with Niara. You guys, Niara is really good. <laughs> I mean, she is really good. She's a pro. And uh, so now with Niara inside with Sedona, with Kylie Watson, you know, who is, uh, she, by the way, is going to be a really good rebounder and defender and the screener. Um, and, but she can make baskets. Angela Dugalich at six, four, you know, I call her kind of a young Brianna Stewart. She can do everything on the court. So you're talking about, and then with Lydia and Lucy as well, you're talking about a lot of really good inside players. So I mean, we might go to some of the more power basketball that I used to play at Gonzaga for years. Uh, even during the years when Courtney Vandersloot was there. So we might not be right. guard dominant, it might be more inside kind of oriented. So, but it remains to be seen. Maddie Shear, by the way, tremendous defender. I'm going to post uh, uh, her season highlights here shortly. Uh, so you'll have a chance to kind of see her in action. Tahina Powpow could have been the national player of the year in high school. She is a legit point guard and a triple double threat. And then Sydney Parrish is going to be one of the greatest shooters we've ever had. I think she was the best shooter in the country this year. So these are new players that are going to come in and, and have an impact. So we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see. That's the fun part. All of right. You don't just do the same thing every year. We've, we've been fortunate to have certain skill level players that can do things that we knew and so we've been pretty consistent in what we've done. But now we get to kind of turn the page and maybe try something new. We'll see. 
Well, I probably, I'm, I'm sure I speak for most Oregon fans who are listening to this, getting excited and anticipating what will be, I think, a very exciting 2020-21 season. Obviously, a lot of new faces, a younger squad, like you said, but man, uh, it's hard not to when, we, when we're hearing about the caliber of players that were sitting this year and the caliber of players that everybody knows you're bringing in for the 2020 class. Uh, Coach, thank you so much for your time and uh, keep getting those steps. Uh, yeah. Okay. I thanks for for doing this. I really appreciate it. And yeah, that that time flew by, and I probably got about four or five thousand steps in while we were speaking. So <laughs> there that's we go. great. All, All right. right. Thanks, thanks, coach. Take Bye. it easy. Bye. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, really good stuff there from head coach Kelly Graves of the Oregon women's basketball program, one-on-one with Eric Scopel. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I kind of had a unique experience of recording it and listening to it live and just every single time my mic was off. And but just like, oh, wow, that's really informative. Oh, wow, that's even more informative. Oh, that, that's even more informative. So I, I, I think there's a lot to unpack there, Eric. Um, yeah. I, I think from an Oregon fan perspective, you have to love Kelly Grace because he's brutally honest and he's brutally open. I mean, he, he will he will open up and, and tell you a lot of stuff uh, on the record and it just kind of what he's feeling like. And and I think we got a lot there from him. That's that's really interesting and really positive. Absolutely. Uh, he's I, I, I think some of the listeners might know this. I, I covered I went to Gonzaga for my undergrad and I covered Gonzaga. He was the head coach there. Uh, so I've known him for a long time. This is the way he's always been and it is one of the easiest from my experience in about eight to nine years of doing this, the easiest coaches to work with. And you're right. He's very informative. He's very open. Uh, you, you'd be kind of hard pressed to ask him a question that he's not going to just take head on. Um, and I think he did. A, I, I I think he answered basically everything I had on my list and, and maybe even a little bit more. So, um, you know, I, as I said, at the end of the discussion with him there, uh, I, I think I came away kind of excited about what this upcoming season could, could you know, look like with the way he's talking about Sedona Prince and Niara Sabali and a lot of these incoming players with maybe the role changes we see with some of these uh, returners. Uh, it's really exciting and it's going to be a very fun season. So uh, I hope this provided those listening and we're all kind of, quarantined inside our homes. I hope this provided you guys uh, some some positive stuff to look forward to. Obviously, we don't have live sports, but at the same time, uh, at least we have a, a really exciting, fun season coming up here, uh, and we're counting the months down and the days down as much as we can. Were you surprised of, of just how I, 
he's very high on Sedona Prince and uh, Neri Sobley being able to be not only just you know key pieces to next year's team, but sounds like legit potential star players for next year's team. You know, I he'd said something about that, and I've heard independently uh, rumblings about how talented both players were and about how Sedona would have been potentially a piece that could have been a, a real game changer this season. Not that Oregon needed that much help, but she could have been a player that could have even made him take another step. But to hear, you know, possible number one overall pick, I believe he said at one point, uh, referring to Sedona, the fact that she was challenging and pushing Ruthie Hebert in practice is one of those things that you go like, oh, wow, that's, that's you know, for a, for a, I guess she's a redshirt sophomore to be challenging a future first round pick in the next month here uh, in practice. That's one of those things that comes away. And uh, yeah, so maybe I was a little surprised by it, but I, I think she's going to be, you know, we, we're now with those four players leaving. There's kind of a, the room is open for a player to be maybe the face of the program she's going to have a chance to do that, I think. And I think that's kind of maybe a little bit of what Kelly's trying to set up is that this could be the next big thing at Oregon. And she's not the only one that's capable of doing that as we you know discussed on the, in the conversation, but um, certainly someone you have to be really excited about. And like you said, a player, Oregon fans and most college basketball fans probably have never really seen that sort of player in their lives. Tons of good stuff on the podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, really looking forward to doing a little bit more of these during the downtime. And look, we got a lot of downtime, right? Like sports aren't coming back anytime soon. Uh, if, if they do come back, uh, relatively soon, the next thing we'll see from an Oregon perspective is going to be football. And that, cause that will, that will start up in, in August with fall camp. Uh, spring sports are all canceled. So there's nothing until football. So we've got a lot of time on our hands to do th- these types of interviews. We'll try and do some more uh, as things play out and as you know the months turn into spring and the spring turns into summer. And hopefully we help you pass the time without any kind of games to consume. And instead, we look forward to telling stories and uh, finding out more information and, and stuff like that that we got with head coach Kelly Graves today, the women's basketball program. So. To wrap up the show, thank you for listening. For Eric Scopel, myself, Matt Prem, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If, ready PG.